politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, your only independent source of news and views in this time of chaos and betrayal. And which betrayal is it that we're going to talk about today? Frankly, I don't even know. I was going to talk to you today about how the murders are spiking in every major city in this country. Black children getting killed because the police have been neutered, because gun felons, parole violators, repeat violent offenders are being released from prison. One guy who was a career criminal, violated his parole, pointed a gun at someone in North Carolina. He was released without any bail. A couple hours later, randomly shoots into a car and shoots a 20-month-old or a 7-year-old kid. The 20-month-old was in Chicago. That was a different story. Tons of these cases. I have an article out about that. The Republican answer? Not to focus on law and order. In Mississippi, with two-to-one majorities in both houses, and a Republican governor and attorney general, they vote to change their flag to make it less offensive. Mm. That's your Republican Party for you. Then we have lie after lie after lie on the virus. There is now growing evidence that not only are the serious cases in the border counties, the border states, a result of Mexico, because while we locked down Americans, we didn't lock down our freaking border so people don't come for the express purpose of flooding our hospitals with COVID. It turns out that a big part of this rise in cases among young nationwide are indeed because of the riots and the protests, which we all knew, even if there's no outdoor transmission in general, if you have that much mobility, like it's not like we're going back to general mobility. We have more mobility than we've ever had, even not during COVID. You're going to have so many transportation, indoor stuff going on, that they're going to transmit it. And again, our position has been consistent. That if you get it outside of the nursing homes, it's not going to be deadly for almost everyone. Not even serious cases. And that's what you're seeing in most of the hospitals. The hospitalizations are just people with a sore throat that are just scared. We're fine. But the media is using that and the politicians are using that as a pretext to lock us up. So here they have the enforcement army go out, riot, destroy, maim, murder, block roads, destroy our civilization. And now they're like, oh, whoops, we're out of luck. We spread the virus. You you need to be locked down even more. We have new data from the Minnesota Department of Health. Overall, people in their 20s accounted for 20% of positive cases for most of the virus cycle. Yet they are responsible for 59% of the new cases since June 25th, perfectly coinciding with the timing. If you look, typically case to hospitalization will be 11 to 14 days. That's when you're going to start seeing it. Whereas the so-called reopenings, which never reopened nearly this much, never had mass gatherings, just have like a, a barber shop open. That was that was six to eight weeks ago, depending on the state. So that's another thing being stifled. So, so many lies to debunk about the virus. But then, of course, when I prepare to show, it goes out the window because now we have the Supreme Court. You see, we knock out our security, our economy, our liberty, 
and the Supreme Court knocks out our values. Not surprising, as I've been warning you for a long time, John Roberts joins with the left in the Louisiana abortion case to create a right for doctors to perform abortions without having health care, basic health care standards, admitting rights to a hospital within 30 miles. There's a lot to talk about here, tons of stuff to talk about. But I, w- I want you guys to hear the point that you're not going to hear. By now, every conservative, including those that help push John Roberts, is like, yeah, John Roberts is bad. But there's something I think you guys need to hear that you're not going to hear elsewhere, perspective on this. And that is, what Roberts is doing openly is being done quietly and maybe to lesser degrees among the other non-Thomas Republican-appointed justices. And over time, were they to be the fifth vote, they would pretty much do the same thing. Notice how we're always one vote away, and then you get another one, and then the new guy. So you know, Kennedy used to be that way. And now what Roberts is doing, and, and I, I warned about this, I've done entire shows on this, that even the cases where Roberts was against Kennedy and he voted the other way, and even sometimes wrote the official dissent in those cases, he actually, once it's decided that way, he's going to go along with it. And today he said that blatantly, even though I didn't agree with Hellerstadt. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I'm going to go along with this because it's precedent. You see, we always knew for a long time that Roberts had no intention of any time you have a bad precedent, he will never reverse it. Now, there's a couple of things. Let's first talk about Roberts what he did, how this fits into abortion. But then we're going to peel this back to explain how really it applies to varying degrees to the other justices and to any future ones, except for Thomas. Because here's the deal. All these guys are like, hey, Daniel, but like we, they, they think we have four votes to overturn Roe and we don't even have four votes to overturn Hellerstat. Um, but... Oh, so next time, just vote for Trump and you get, get Republicans elected and you'll have maybe two more justices. Now, first of all, one of them is going to be Clarence Thomas retiring and we're actually going to slide backwards. You're actually, the new justices are going to be at best, you know, Thomas and Gore, uh, 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 Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, you know, the, 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 the best, the best you could hope for is an Alito. Um, you're actually going to slide backwards. He's a national treasure. You're never going to replace a guy like that. And even if it's one of the liberal ones, guess what? They're going to screw us the same way. They're going to screw us the same way. So let's unpack this. So obviously, one of the important things to understanding what went on today, what goes on in general in the court system, why it's a one-way street and a, um, a dead end for conservatives is because you see... There's something called the ratchet, where the left is always willing to further their their piercing of the Constitution because they didn't mind poking the first hole, so certainly they're not going to mind poking the second hole. So what they'll do is they'll they'll overturn 200 years of precedent and they'll create something, and that's never a problem because they're always able to do that. 
But then once they do it, you can only expand on that and you can never go backwards. And most Republican judges agree to that. Now, the Republican judges won't always uh, agree to expand it, but often you'll get one or two to do it. We're in an era where you have Democrat control and they'll have enough power to do it. And then the Republicans will never even reverse the expansion. So a classic example is this, the famous Casey case, right? Um, the uh, You had Roe and you had Casey in 1990. So... This was, you know, the landmark Planned Parenthood of Southeastern PA versus Casey. Casey was the governor of Pennsylvania, pro-life Democrat. And what happened there was the Supreme Court said at the time that the Constitution, you know, that yes, there's a right to an abortion for a woman to have an abortion. But in terms of the doctors and the clinics, quote, the Constitution gives states broad latitude to decide that particular functions may be performed only by licensed professionals or if an objective assessment might suggest that those same tasks could be performed by others. Okay, right. So in other words, the standards of the of the healthcare providing that's like any healthcare regulation. I mean, states regulate every darn aspect of healthcare. So certainly something as dangerous as putting a suction and a knife inside of a woman and sucking at a baby. I mean, even if you believe it's just a cartilage and just a surgery, I mean, this has nothing to do with morality. Just straight up. I mean, states certainly could regulate um, healthcare standards. But what happened was. That was always a lie, because once this became a super duper right, now you have the right to access any abortion clinic and any provider under any circumstance, and any state regulation is going to infringe upon this great right of an abortion. So mind you, the one area where it actually says shall not be infringed, the Second Amendment, so there the states just screw with it, not just around the around the edges but the meat and potatoes you cannot bear arms in the state of maryland where i live at all any caliber any time any amount any place any gun and that's fine the republican justices have no problem with that at least some of them but when it comes to this no so you remember kermit gosnell when you had that scandal in philadelphia with you know these horrible conditions for women and again even if you're into abortion i mean this is just a health care issue so state Republican states started putting on these regulations. Every single one has been so-called struck down by the courts. And in the 2016 land, landmark case of Hellerstadt, the court basically said that because there's a right to an abortion, there's no right. There's a right for doctors to perf- perform it, uh, even if they don't have. Um, uh, ba- basically, the two issues were were number one having admitting privileges. So that that doctor or whatever had to have admitting privileges to a, in, a, in a hospital within 30 miles so you could take them there. And then just the standards of the clinic, the clin- clinic had to have amb- ambulatory uh, surgical centers. Okay, so in case something goes wrong. The court said you can't do that. It was a 5-4 decision. Or maybe I'm forgetting, maybe it was 5-3 because Scalia wasn't there. Maybe Scalia died already. I think he did. Um, and... Roberts actually wrote the dissent. But as we've noted, Roberts has done this with all these novel cases where he was the dissenting vote on the Roper case where you can no longer give the death penalty to sex offenders. You can't give the death penalty to um, juveniles. You can't even give life without parole to juveniles. Um, All these has been about four or five decisions since then. Once you have one, Roberts will codify it. And even if he previously disagreed. So we knew this all along. 
Others didn't realize it, but we were ahead of the curve. I've written tons of articles on that as well. Now, I want to just deviate from here and point out, isn't it interesting how at a time when we are told, John Roberts himself said this, in the case where uh, church leaders uh, went to court when California said you can't have church services because of the virus. And Roberts basically said that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, doesn't apply because you can't second guess um, public health safety decisions made by a state. Well, that only applies to real rights, but BS rights like killing a baby. No, 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 no. Not only could you kill your baby, but you can't even place um, regulatory standards on the clinic and the doctors performing it. So that's just an interesting thing. And also, the the Roe v. Wade is built upon this notion that, that it's part of a woman's body and she has a right to privacy, built off of the Griswold case, the Connecticut case. What's funny is whatever happened to the right to privacy of bodily integrity that I don't have to walk around wearing a freaking mask on my face in 100 degree weather. No, Daniel, that's, that's health, public health. Well, okay, but, uh, you know, making sure you don't have Kermit Gosnell situations in abortion clinics is also public health. But no, no, that, that, see, this is the immoral and illegitimate government we're living in. It's kind of the same thing that the courts did, if you remember, when Arizona wanted to, um, simply just complement and, and supplement, really complement federal immigration law and just help enforce federal immigration law, which nothing precludes them from doing so. And they were like, you know, and Roberts joined Kennedy's decision in this case, you don't understand immigration enforcement is so emphatically federal. I mean, states can't touch it. You can't even help and merely just complement federal enforcement because you might get in the way. I promise you that's what the court said. Fast forward to this term, if you remember, the courts allowed a Ninth Circuit decision to stand, ruling that California could not only interfere and block federal immigration enforcement, but criminalize the cooperation with it in direct violation of federal immigration law. That's okay. Because again, whatever the left wants to do is in the Constitution. Whatever they don't want to do is not, even if the opposite is true. But here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing, folks. You move on to the dissents. And there were actually four separate dissents. Each one had a dissent. Thomas, then Alito, Gorsuch, and and Kavanaugh. What was funny is, not a single other justice joined Thomas's dissent, but most of them joined most of the other ones. And basically, what happened here was very interesting. Thomas wrote, as he always does, this whole thing's immoral, garbage. Once again, they're um, expanding upon their wrong, wrongly decided Roe case. Thomas has unambiguously said for years that Roe is wrong, and if he had the opportunity, he would vote against it. Why is it that we don't have this clarity from any justice that that Republicans nominate and then we still don't have the clarity even 16 years after they're on the bench? See, folks, not only don't we have four votes to overturn Roe and Casey, we likely only have one. We don't even have four votes to overturn Hellerstadt. You might say, well, what do you mean? It was only only, um, Roberts, but the other four would. Possibly, but... And, and, and it's likely we'd have three 
But Kavanaugh has been very clear the whole time. There's two technicalities that they all focused on. And Thomas did too. It's not that it's not wrong. It's not that it's not wrong. But they won't show their cards on their broader opinion on the entire phony right. As Thomas does. So what the others mainly focused on was standing. Meaning the problem, there's two problems here. Number one is that how the hell do you have abortion rights groups representing women who want to get abortion get standing? This is an issue for doctors. If a doctor wants to sue that he wants you know, a certain thing, then, then sue. right? So this whole business that a third party could get standing is part of this whole business that a court could now somehow rule on an abstract issue without proper standing. But of course, when it comes to ab- abortion, the courts could just rule on a principle, um, not on a case. So that's that's what Gorsuch was focused on, Alito focused on. Then Kavanaugh has been harping, and he harped on this at the at the um, temporary injunction level too. This issue with um, the fact that the case is not even ripe. In other words, it's not even clear that the doctors would have been denied. Like usually, the case how, how does has it play out? Well, you need admitting privileges. Well, who says you don't have them? Did you apply? Were you denied? If you're denied, then you you sue. You say, well, look, I, I think the law is unconstitutional. I should be able to get it with that. But you have to have a real case. You can't just say a state passed an unconstitutional law. So what? Courts don't have veto power. They don't rule. They don't strike down laws. They grant judgment to a plaintiff. Oh, you want to be able to practice? Okay, you could practice. But it, but who says there's something wrong? So that's what Kavanaugh focused on. But Ka- but now. So that that means it's not even clear Kavanaugh would overturn Hellerstadt. Alito was pretty clear and has been clear he would, but not Roe. He I doubt he would. But at least Hellerstadt, that at least like the Gosnell laws are okay. We don't even know that from Kavanaugh. Moreover, whenever you see Roberts, and we see this a lot, Roberts being the fifth vote for the stink bomb. Thomas is categorical. This whole thing is crap. And then the other guys kind of hem and haw all these technical reasons why it's wrong. So what it makes you wonder is, let's say you had, as my colleagues suggest, oh, we'll have more justices on the court. More justices. Who says those justices and and the existing ones are willing to be the fifth vote? See, this is all politics. They're scared. I tell you, told you that all the time. What distinguish Scalia and Thomas from everyone else is not just the way they think about issues. It's their boldness. The same way political Republicans and so-called conservatives are too scared to stand up to the racial warfare and identity politics and the virus. Oh, you're killing people. Oh, yeah, I don't want to kill people. I'm going to go along with the viral fascism, the corona fascism. It's the same thing with the legal thing. They're terrified. Remember a couple months ago when Schumer almost caused a riot and he almost threatened violence against the justices? It was during oral arguments of this abortion case. That's what he was referring to. It worked. They're scared. So they knew Roberts was going to be the fifth vote so they could, you know, be the hero. Let's say you now have, you know, let's just say for argument's sake, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, dies or retires. They would they would be terrified. They'd be terrified. They'll find a way around it. Even Hellerstadt. And again, folks, Thomas is going to retire. I'm hearing even rumors even Alito would retire. So likely we'd step backwards from both of them. It's a joke. 
And then finally, folks, there's another factor you're missing, and that's the lower courts. Here's what people forget. Okay, people forget, and this is a very important thought process. And this, under, this is how you could understand the one-way ratchet. Contrast abortion with gay marriage, okay? <laughs> so everyone's familiar with the 2015 Obergefell decision that created a constitutional right forcing states to recognize same-sex relationships as marriages. However, few are familiar with the fact that in 1972, the court ruled unanimously like a one-paragraph decision against gay marriage that, of course, is no such right. It's called Baker v. Nelson, if you want to look it up. To my knowledge, Obergefell was the first time the Supreme Court ever reversed a prior unanimous decision. So that's one level. Liberals are willing to overturn the building block of civilization marriage and a nine-to-nothing decision, but Republic, but once they do that, then that's then that's settled law, right? That's the beauty of their system. But there's something even deeper that speaks to our time that I want you to understand, and that is the lower courts. You might be asking, okay, so a Supreme Court, especially liberal justices, feel a license to overturn previous Supreme Court decisions, as they are Supreme Court justices, if they disagree with it. But how the hell did we get to Obergefell? How did it get to the Supreme Court? How did it get teed up for the Supreme Court? You had Baker v. Nelson. It was precedent that, of course, a state is in charge of the marriage licenses, and they don't have to recognize that as a marriage. So how could a lower court even rule that way to get it to the Supreme Court? In fact, if you actually look up, not only did they have no problems doing it, it was almost unanimous. It was only because the Sixth Circuit ruled our way. It was only one circuit out of like seven ruled our way. So it got a circuit split and even the Supreme Court took it up. But that's the thing. Even lower court liberal justices have no problem doing it. How do you think you get these phony rights on immigration, sexuality, marriage, life to begin, uh, you know, abortion to begin with? Because you have terrible lower court decisions that have no problem defying previous Supreme Court precedent when they disagree with it. Yet the other way around, you'll never find a conservative justice or judge at a lower level overturning um, Supreme Court precedent. And if they did, uh, you know, the Supreme Court would overturn that in three seconds. That's what's going to continue happening. That's what's going to continue happening as, as we keep, continue to search for that conservative majority on the Supreme Court. The lower courts are going to continue normalizing new rights. And then it weighs on the justices. I've said this before. Neil Gorsuch would never have indulged on his own this insanity that somehow Title VII of sex discrimination includes transgenderism. But once the lower courts mainstreamed it for a few years, and, and th- then he was willing to indulge it. It's the same thing that's going to continue happening. This is what my colleagues don't understand, why the courts are a one-way ratchet and a dead end. Once you agree that courts settle principles and moral questions and social questions and that the other branches have no way of fighting back even though in fact they actually have more powers than the supreme court and the lower courts as edward bates said lincoln's attorney general 
It is the essential function of the judiciary to hear and determine cases, not to establish principles nor settle questions so as to conclude any person, but the parties and privies to the case of judged. The idea was that other branches of government should push back. You know, recently, all these Republicans were like clamoring, Juneteenth, Juneteenth Day. Suddenly, they were so into that. And I was like, look, if you're sensitive to that, the emancipation, I mean, first of all, why not celebrate Emancipation Day? But if you're sensitive to that and you always did that, God bless you. But if you're just doing that this year to um, to pander, give me a break. But you know what's interesting that people forget about the emancipation? There's something we need to celebrate aside from the obvious importance of treating uh, black human beings as human beings. And that is the triumph of Lincoln against judicial supremacism. You see, according to Republicans, Dred Scott should have been the law of the land. Dred Scott said not only are they not human beings that cannot be given citizenship documents, but they are actually chattel and their property and its property rights of, of their owners. Okay, that was Dred Scott. So the deal with that is, how could Lincoln have pushed back? The answer is because a Supreme Court can't decide a principle. Lincoln could say, I am not going to enforce that. I am not going to enslave blacks. Because the Supreme Court said so. And it's a similar thing here. The law of the land is not this case. The Supreme Court. It's Louisiana has a law that you need admitting privileges if you want to perform abortions. That is the law of the land. That has not changed. And they could still require that and try to really intimidate doctors into that. Now, if ultimately a doctor performs an abortion without it and they want to criminally convict that guy so then a court could go and then push back the other way and that's how it goes around in circles. But a state has the right to continue trying to enforce it. Each one has their own enforcement mechanism. Saying it's very simple. Even if you don't go the morality route of just like that, you downright need to just, you know, just tell the courts to shove it. But even just mechanically, The other branches have powers. I mean, we forget about that. That's what needs to happen. I have one more observation on the courts before we move on to some other issues today. And that is, there was another interesting case that came up today that was decided. And you might say it was decided in the right way where Roberts joined the conservative justices. And you might say it was a victory, but actually it's a very interesting juxtaposition to the abortion case that will demonstrate once again, why, why this is a total one way street and and dead end for conservatives. Okay. So basically, there's something called the CFPB. Okay, the CFPB. And that's the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau was created under Dodd-Frank that basically gives, it's like a fourth branch of government. The Congress set up an unconstitutional agency that has its own director and that's independent somehow from the president, can't be fired, by the president and it's this 
like like an executive agency that has quasi legislative and judicial powers. They could adjudicate cases. They could legislate. They could do anything they want. They have full authority over the financial industry. Okay, that was the the issue there. Um, and you know, obviously, it's unconstitutional. So the important thing to know about that is that in the past you had a scholarly decision written by How- uh, William Howard Taft. Remember, after he was president, he became, um, he became uh, what do you call it, uh, Chief Justice. And when he became Chief Justice, it was in 1926, Myers v. U.S., you could look it up if you want. It was a 70-page scholarly opinion on how he says that there is no way you could have this concept of independent roving agencies that are part of the executive branch that somehow the president can't fire. Right? Anyone, if they're not legislative or judicial, they're part of the executive branch, and they have to be subject to the president's firing capability. And that was that was totally clear. Totally clear. Okay? The power to appoint, it's Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, Executive ministers and council, implicit in that is the power to remove. But then in the FDR era, they moved away from that in Humphrey's executor, the US, that's 1935, it it limited the president's ability to fire FTC commissioners. So it created this notion that you could have like a commissioners, these independent agencies, and then they operate alone. And it was one of these crazy opinions. And it was radically expanded in the famous independent counsel case, Morrison v. Olson. That's the famous Scalia dissent. He was a lone dissenter um, where it just like, you know, just shredded the notion that a president could fire executive staff. So basically what the court did today is it, it did split the baby. And I want to show you just again how when we lose a case, it means we lose. We lose marriage. We lose sexuality. We lose borders. We lose life. It's like really deep. But even the victories, oh, they're so so narrow. So basically, it just limited, rather than overturning Humphrey's executor, I'm like, like, any executive official is subject to the president's firing. Like, no, you can't have a single director. Because remember, what was unique about CFPB is that it was a single director that had the power. Typically, these commissions, FEC, FTC, all these things, they have like five, seven commissioners. So somehow that's okay. And it doesn't make sense. Well, why is that okay? The president's the chief executive officer. So they said you can't have a single director today. So number one, it was extremely narrow. Okay? Now... I'll be very honest with you. I agree with, obviously, the CFPB is unconstitutional. But, like, I don't give a damn about the case relative to our culture that's being ripped up by the courts and other things. But this was the big libertarian case. This is what they wanted Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. This is why they picked Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh actually wrote the lower court opinion going after CFPB. This is really what they wanted. The the executive state. Oh, the administrative state, we got to go after this. The corporate regulations, and I agree with it, but that was their big thing. The irony is they barely got anything out of it. It was very narrow. 
it won't have bearings on almost all the other rogue executive agencies. That's number one. Then number two, there's something called severability. Well, they wrote a law that intended and actually wrote explicitly that the director is a sole director and he's not subject to the president's um, power to fire him. Well, once that is struck down, isn't the whole law struck down as well? They didn't sever that out when they wrote the statute. So doesn't the whole law get struck down? Now, you might say, well, Daniel, haven't you been teaching us for years that a court only rules narrowly in a case and grants judgment to a plaintiff? They don't strike down a whole thing that's not part of the question before them. Um, Whether the statute is operable and how Congress wants to deal with it, knowing that the courts won't enforce that part of it, is their business. But a court can't just take that and therefore strike it down. Yes, that is my opinion. That is Clarence Thomas's opinion. But that ain't the opinion of Roberts, Kavanaugh, and likely maybe even Gorsuch and Alito. They believe in some level of the severability business. Okay? So notice how suddenly Roberts gets gun shy. Isn't it funny when it comes to this and Obamacare? Notice how Roberts like, we need to be restrained. I don't want to get involved in political issues. But when it comes to taking a meat cleaver to sh- totally reversing an entire state law over things state had con- states had control over forever, he has no problem. So again, I just wanted to show you that juxtaposition so you understand once and for all why courts are a one-way street and a dead end. So that's with that. But let's go on. Let's, let's go back to some of the other cases. So we, ha- we have tons of beatings taking place. Beatings, shootings, reverse Jim Crow. A lot of people are talking about this case in St. Louis where there's this gated community, extremely wealthy, very, very large mansions. It's not in a suburb. It's one of these areas that's like in in the city itself, but it's kind of gated off. You have that usually where the mayor and some of the political elites live. And this gang, one of these like mobs broke in. They actually illegally trespassed, broke in. These are private walkways. And they started really acting very belligerent. And this visibly scared, very wealthy um, husband and wife got out there. The husband had a rifle. The wife had what appeared to be a small carry pistol, um, a 380. I don't know. I'm not sure what the make was. And they brandished it and pointed at them. And remember how I told you that this has nothing to do with a war on police. This is a war on whites. It's part of a broader war on civilization to implement communism, but there is an unmistakable part of it that is a war on whites, where they are creating a reverse Jim Crow, projecting on whites as a tribe, as if we're some sort of tribe, some sort of racism that is the exact opposite. If anything, it's more on the other side, projecting a degree of violence when, if anything, it's on the other side, Again, I mean, you look at at the crime statistics, and if you adjust for share of the population, white on black crime is 145th than black on white crime. So black on white crime is is greater by by, uh, a factor of 45. Now, mind you, most of the crime is against other blacks, which is what nobody wants to talk about. 
And it's thanks to these stupid jailbreak laws that Republicans actually want to continue pushing. But this family, they got doxxed. Their names got put out, who they were. They're under attack. And I told you guys that you will be made to care. Some of these libertarians are like, I hate the police. There's police brutality. And I said, well, dude, what are you going to do when they come for you? Didn't mean to <laughs> paraphrase, paraphrase, paraphrase the famous uh, theme song of the cops program. What you going to do when they come for you? See, that actually meant, what are you going to do when the cops come for the bad boys? That's when we actually believed in law and order. Now it's, what's she going to do when the mob comes for you? Well, I'll defend myself with my gun. Well, not so fast. Because, you see, in the reverse Jim Crow, they have a right to beat you. You do not have a right to self-defense. Now, look, all the caveats, I know people are beating up on them for lack of proper um, posture, strategy, tactical you know, positioning. Like, they come kind of almost carelessly, almost look like they were pointing it at each other. They, you know, and, and the wife always had her finger on the trigger, not on the on the barrel, uh, you know, pointed straight. Um, I get it. I mean, but that's not a, you know, you you, you got to feel for them. They were scared. They had that right. Um, they they saw everything they've been doing, right? You can't divorce it. Well, we're, we're just, uh, we're just protesting. It's our first amendment right now. First of all, it's, 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 it's that all of that is private property. Um, but but even in another case, I mean, you can't have a hundred people as part of a broader insurrection movement that has been beating, maiming, uh, harming, and belligerently whatever, and and you can't be allowed to come out with your guns. Now to shoot them before anyone directly looks like he's going to come at you is a different story, but to brandish it is a different story. I mean, that's the point to diffuse that and get them away, so so it doesn't come to that. See, if you don't brandish it and they don't think you have a gun, they'll come at you and then you'll have to shoot them. But notice how much trouble they're going to be in for the rest of their lives. Heck, they might even get into legal trouble. Who knows? This is what we're starting to see. One of these cases nobody talked about. This is from Sasha Gonzalez, Bronx Justice News. This happened a couple weeks ago. Rape beating of Bronx woman racially motivated records. A man accused of raping a woman on a Bronx rooftop allegedly said the victim deserved her treatment, quote, because that is what they did to us during slavery, according to court papers filed in the, in the case. Tamar Bishop, 23, who police charged with assault with a weapon as a hate crime, along with rape, predatory sex assault, attempted murder, and other crimes, is accused of punching, kicking, and raping the 20-year-old victim on the roof of his apartment building on Alexander Avenue in Mott Haven on June 1st, the record show. Bishop, who is African-American, allegedly returned to the crime season with a witness to whom he remarked about the victim, quote, she was a white girl. She deserved it because us minorities have been through slavery. This is what they used to do to us, he allegedly told the witness, according to the criminal complaint, quote, that is what they did to us during slavery. They used to beat us and whip us. The victim suffered a broken nose and teeth and vomited blood after the attack. She was taken to local hospital. Um... Basically, one uh, I think one cop said this is the worst he's ever seen a victim. He's on probation for a previous robbery conviction for which he served little more than a year behind bars. And then he had two other robbery arrests, one where he robbed a place with a, with a long knife. Never served time. 
This is what's going on, folks. This is the racism. And 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 when that that was existing before they started with this business. But when you go and you make a national trend that anyone who happens to be white suddenly retroactively after we made so much progress and frankly the racism has long gone the other way the last couple of decades at least suddenly we're responsible for the 17 and 1800s suddenly well dude that has consequences and you're going to see a lot more of this this is what we need to talk about it's the ultimate case of projection they are the ones doing this and when i say they unlike the then unlike the media that indicts anyone who is white for the 1700s even if you didn't even descend from them, I'm not indicting all blacks. It's a relatively small number of career criminals that don't serve time, most often harm blacks. I have a whole list in my article today of children, black children, who are killed going to a laundromat, going to... um. No one was driving back from a laundromat and someone just shot into their car, killed the kid, 20-month-old toddler in a car seat. Another 10-year-old girl in Chicago was shot and killed. A bullet just went into her apartment window. She was sitting in her home. Where's the rioting? Where's the changing of flags and changing of monuments and changing of names and kneeling and and, and feet washing over this? Where is the Republican Party? Where is Donald Trump? I'll tell you where he is. Van Jones, the avowed communist, who once said all whites have like a mental illness in them of racism, is advising Trump on police reform. Folks, this man is becoming the Republican Jimmy Carter. The sooner we realize that and slay this golden calf, the sooner we get to having another movement. Let me just tell you this. I don't give a damn about the election. If we if we create a new movement... And fight, we'll win. If we don't, we won't. The election's nothing. But if you guys are into this business of, Daniel, the election's everything, well, I got news for you. Trump is losing the election, big time, okay? So if, if, if you really care about that, then the most important thing is to have a movement to rise up and ask him to step down and get a guy like Tom Cotton, Ron DeSantis, or whoever else to run on a true MAGA agenda who would actually win. Because right now, this is all happening under his watch. You know, I saw one commentator tweet out. There was this uh, picture of an intersection in Manhattan, I think, or maybe one of the other boroughs in New York. So New York now has more shootings than it's ever had since 1996. It wiped away 25 years of reduced crime baseline. Police were responding to an active shooter. And they were met by a mob that threw bottles and stuff at them. And a guy tweeted out and said, this is what all Ameri- this is what America is going to look like if Biden is elected in November. And I, and I said to myself, this guy is so dumb, he doesn't realize the irony of what he's tweeting out. Like, you would think, like, okay, you know, it's like 2016 where a Democrat's president, you have an election where you have Trump running, you have a different Democrat who wants to succeed that Democrat. And like, oh my gosh, America is going to descend into this if you don't elect him. Trump is president now, and it is happening. And it's happening everywhere. And it's getting worse. Never has there been such a wide gulf 
between the extremism, but the success of the left in implementing that extremism on every front of economy, liberty, society, security. Whether it's the courts, whether it's the legislature, whether it's the mob, whether it's the states, whether it's the feds. And then at the same time, zero, so zero opposition from the Republican Party. And that includes, I mean, a lot of this violence you're seeing in red states where they control all branches of government. Nothing. Mississippi, what do they do with their trifecta control? Not legislation to reverse the stupid jailbreak that they have there. Instead, let's get rid of our flag. There's your Republican Party for you. And remember, you'll you'll see in my writings, you'll see in all these cases, all of them did violent crimes. They were out on parole instead of getting locked up. They were gun felons and didn't get locked up. But if you or I would go go in and carry in a state where we can't carry to defend ourselves against a mob, believe me, we would get locked up. As long as you're the right color in their mind. This crap has got to end. You know what? I, I think there is white privilege, actually. There is white privilege. There's white privilege in the sense that those people that are rich, wealthy, white liberals living in areas where they don't have to worry about gang warfare, where they're not going to laundromats like that 20-month-old kid with his mother in a bad neighborhood where they can get shot at. So they could virtue signal and ingratiate themselves and pander to black criminals, not black law-abiding people, black criminals. Oh, we need police reform. We need criminal justice reform. But you know what? As we saw with that case with that gated neighborhood, the chickens are coming home to roost. Your number will come. They got your address too. You will be made to care. Look, I have so much stuff on the virus coming out. Didn't get a chance to get on this. More evidence at the border that it all came from Mexico. More evidence that this spread across the country, which admittedly I think is mild. It's not going to result in in deaths, as we're seeing. But it's coming from the protests. You're not going to see the results in states like New York because they already achieved herd immunity. But it's going to be in places where they don't have that herd immunity, which is likely 20 to 40% people that have cross immunity with the T-cells. So follow my Twitter account for that. And folks, let's pray together. Let's come up with a solution. Someone wrote me a thoughtful plan on having local organizations to educate people on issues. But I think we got to start small, and it's got to be confined. The country is lost. The question is, how do we concentrate and flood flood the zone like the left does to take over a given area? How do we pick the best area? What's the best county and the best state to start this with? Maybe we all move there. But whatever it is. Vote Republican and appoint better judges. Folks, that just ain't going to cut it. And I think you're going to see that very soon. Big week ahead. We're going to have a special guest tomorrow. Um, Again, pass the show to 50, 100 of your friends, relatives. Stay armed at all costs. So hopefully you won't have to use it. But be armed and be prepared. 